0: I'm Halima Atta, and welcome back to another episode of A Little Perspective. So today's episode was inspired in part by the current very tense state that I and a lot of my friends and classmates have been in. And with it being well past back-to-school season, it's like middle of September, a lot of us are adjusting to the new normal I'm putting air quotes up, because it will never really be normal, but a lot of us are adjusting to this new system of learning as it relates to corona and all of its implications on school and stuff, and just everything associated with it. But more often than not, transitioning into a new schedule or routine, etc., is usually something that brings stress, and that's what I want to focus on in this episode particularly, I'm surprised I haven't really touched on this concept during these past few weeks, as I've been in school for almost a month now, but lately school has been very hectic, and it's a common feeling I've observed in the majority of my classmates, and conveniently enough for this episode. So prepare to hear me delve into the topic of stress, why it occurs, its implications on us as students and young adults, and how to get rid of it. So what exactly is stress? I feel like everybody uses this word loosely, but sometimes we don't exactly know what it means. So to quote directly from the medical encyclopedia, it can be defined as a feeling of emotional or physical tension. It can come from any event or thought that makes you feel frustrated, angry, or nervous. Stress is your body's reaction to a challenge or demand. So essentially, stress is a normal bodily occurrence. As long as you have a brain, it's something you'll experience at some point. However, the problem only occurs when we let it build up. For example, when I get assigned homework in like calculus, I won't have much of a reaction, and I find myself starting some of it like during class or that day, and planning to finish the like the rest later on, and I usually do. However, once I get assigned tasks in like three or more classes, I find myself feeling overwhelmed and stressed. Two feelings that typically come together. And that's a good example of a form of stress which has a negative connotation, obviously, the one which plagues tons of students, teachers, during the school months especially. But what a lot of people don't know is that stress can be categorized into two main types, acute and chronic. Probably spoken about the least, we have acute stress. This form is minor, short-term, and usually holds a much smaller impact than its counterpart. It helps you manage dangerous situations and occurs when you do something new or exciting. This explains why this type of stress, although sounding like a bad thing, has a positive connotation. One example of acute stress in school specifically could be the moment when you realize you have an assignment due in half an hour. It's an especially short, quick-passing feeling of stress that ends up being beneficial to us as we end up getting our work done before the deadline. Chronic stress, conversely, is more of a long-term concept. It can affect an individual anywhere from several weeks to months and often is met with a negative connotation. I can't really think of a scenario where that would be good, though, so that's that's expected. So this form of stress is probably the most common for students and everyone else alike, really. An example that would probably resonate w- well with my classmates and I is that of rigorous classes whether like AP, ACE, IV, honors, etc., cetera, et cetera, the work is obviously not light. It calls for a lot of studying, practice, proper time allocation, which is a skill that can be so hard to perfect, which is why it leads to stress and builds up so easily. And this buildup doesn't go away the way we observe it in acute stress situations, like in a traffic jam or something. It becomes chronic, meaning we experience it for weeks and months even on end. Clearly having a negative connotation, it takes a toll on a lot of people. And to ensure that I'm not sounding like insanely dramatic, it's important to note that although the name chronic sounds extreme, although it can be, in this case, that's not what I'm referring to, it's not always. Chronic in this context relates to time, duration, not the content of our stress, or why it's happening, One doesn't have to be experiencing the lowest point of their lives or like a serious issue such as homelessness to experience the implications of chronic stress. It can happen to anyone as long as it's happening for a certain duration or period of time. So a survey-based study was conducted for the American Psychological Association in 2014, which surveyed 1,018 teenagers aged from 13 to 17. Among the respondents, 83% of teens said that school was a somewhat or significant source of stress. Not to mention, the number of respondents in this survey who claimed to have extreme stress drop during the school year dropped by 14% once it was over, so during summer break. These statistics make the most prominent cause of stress in teenagers very evident, school. It's obvious and it's not a surprise. And given that only 1,000 18 teens were surveyed at a time before e-learning, a completely different territory, was introduced, it's likely that these numbers have increased significantly now, which is why I wanted to acknowledge it. See, the problem with chronic stress, and stress in general, isn't that it's annoying or like has a negative connotation alone. It lies in the fact that it builds up silently. Although it affects each individual differently, this aspect usually stays consistent. This is one of the most detrimental parts of stress. We become so desensitized to it that it becomes a problem, manifesting itself into other parts of our lives, our motivation, our sleep, and our mental health as a whole. If there's one thing you take away from this episode, like if you just choose to just X out and stop listening here, the biggest takeaway is that it's important to recognize stress in ourselves, in our minds, before it continues to build and eventually collapses, which is the worst part. So the reason why... Chronic stress sucks isn't because it sounds bad on paper, but because it affects us without us even knowing. So why is it that we get stressed? To put it in one sentence, there's various reasons and they differ based on who you are, what you do every day, um, your environment, as everyone has different challenges, mentalities, and thus approaches these obstacles differently. Looking at it from a psychological perspective, I want to reference an article from the UK Mental Health Foundation. When we encounter stress, our body is stimulated to produce stress hormones that trigger a flight-or-fight response and activate our immune system. This response helps us to respond quickly to dangerous situations. So given that these helpful responses are obviously beneficial, this sounds similar to acute stress, because it is. But what happens when these situations threaten our sense of self, make us feel as if we lack control or just become overwhelming in general? This is when the various patterns part of my one sentence summary becomes involved. We all have our own struggles that differ greatly based on social and economic status, our environments, and even genetics. And for this reason, it's hard to place the why answer into one single box. It really depends on each individual. However, one source of stress which tends to affect the majority of teens and young adults today is school, learning, and everything that come with the two. So whether it's the workload, the time management, or organization concerns that come with learning and school, they tend to pile quickly but go unnoticed or unacknowledged because so many of us assimilate hard working with stress. They're not a package deal. They do not have to go together. And I think you could you could compare like the hard the adjective hardworking in itself or like possessing a good work ethic or something to peanut butter. Let me explain. It's versatile. The same way you could eat peanut butter in a sandwich on a bagel with bananas, apples, anything off of its long list of combinations. Hard working doesn't come in one form or look one way. Similar, similar to how peanut butter doesn't need to be paired with jelly. You don't need to be plagued with stress to successfully be a hard worker or to reap the benefits of that hard work ethic. However, people make it seem as if peanut butter and jelly is the only way. But just because it's observed or depicted a lot doesn't mean it's the best way or the only way. This translates to how we see the standard hard work ethic being met with stress in every situation by so many people. It's not the only way to be studious and certainly not the best type. I mean, personally, peanut butter does not taste the best with jelly. It's much better with apples. But food taste is subjective and I think that's the only area where this comparison doesn't work. Peanut butter and jelly could be could be the best combination including peanut butter, but it depends on how much you like peanut butter and jelly. Like I'm not a huge fan. Personally I don't like it that much. I'm rambling, but the difference here is that regardless of the situation or how you bend it, stress or chronic stress for that matter is never ever a good thing and it doesn't have to be a package deal like pb and j it should not be exclusive to being a hard worker or being studious so the implications of stress again look different depending on each individual i have to reiterate they can include fatigue lack of appetite lack of sleep or conversely as i said before frequent sleep headaches among a wide range of others But perhaps the most prominent is procrastination. Similar to how a lot of people do tend to view PB&J, they go together. According to David Ballard, head of the APA Center for Organizational Excellence, people procrastinate because of a lack of value associated with the task because they expect that they're not going to achieve the value they're trying to achieve. Because the value is too far from you in terms of time or because you're very impulsive as a person. I wanted to focus on that last point that he made, impulsivity drives procrastination. And as soon as I read this line, I searched it up because I knew there had to be some kind of a correlation to stress somewhere. And luckily there was, or else I would have just cut out the quote because that would have been really awkward and like inconvenient for me. So stress can be associated with an increase in impulsivity, which makes it understandable that we tend to procrastinate when we feel stressed. There's a really clear link. However, a bigger reason people are so heavily affected by this implication of stress isn't because we're just that impulsive, because I'm not that impulsive, I mean we all can be, that's just human nature, but there's a greater factor, which is comfort. I thought of this and it makes perfect sense. I don't procrastinate on assignments I know are easy, like in my honors classes, because They can be done so quickly and with accuracy as well. So where's the fear or stress in that? There's no fear factor. And fear and discomfort and nervousness, anxiety that drives us to become stressed. So if there's no fear in a really easy assignment, if there's no fear that I'm going to fail it, why would I procrastinate if I can get it done quickly, easily, and with accuracy? With more difficult assignments, though, I'm more likely to procrastinate. And this is because we feel the sense of comfort we feel when pushing off a harder task is so much more rewarding obviously not to your stress as it adds to it but this generally provides relief like a break when i'm plagued with a ton of work in like ap us history that's a great example i recently had to take notes on like 20 pages did i finish it no but did i find a way around it yes i was able to like split notes with my friends and we were able to like discuss like, who was going to do each section, but that's the point I'm getting to is not that I hate a push notes, but rather that I procrastinated those notes like a day later, not because I just felt like it, but because one, I was being impulsive, which is a huge factor of stress and procrastination and anxiety, etc. as I've discussed before, but because it's a harder assignment. APU History, given the title and the course load and the work that comes with it, is clearly a lot harder than like what another class I'm taking, like personal finance honors. Therefore, I'm a lot more likely to procrastinate finishing my A-push notes on Native Americans in America after Columbus instead of like, I don't know, like a quick two sentence like summary in personal finance honors because one is super easy. I can complete it with no fear of failure because i can do it accurately easily i have access to all of the knowledge i need it's nothing hard for me it's not a challenge whereas conversely and on the complete other side of the spectrum other end of the spectrum work in like ap us history taking 20 pages of notes analyzing 20 pages of reading that is something that's a lot more difficult for me And I think that everybody can agree that that's a lot harder than writing a couple sentences on which credit card I'll prefer in the future. And for that reason, there's a greater sense of satisfaction that comes with pushing off. There's a greater sense of reward that comes with pushing off a harder assignment. And we see this in, like, I don't know, when you finish those assignments, conversely. I just said that word, like, eight times. But what I'm getting to is that when you finish a super easy, like, two-page assignment, you know, it's quick, it's easy, it's attainable. There's no, like... I don't feel like a huge wave of accomplishment or like reward when I finish a two sentence summary because it's easy and I know that it took me like three minutes, so there's nothing to feel rewarded on. However, when I finish taking a chem test and I finish the free response or I receive that A on my AP chem quiz, that is a lot more rewarding and I get a lot more satisfaction finishing that, turning that piece of work in because one, it takes me a lot longer, two, it's a lot harder to grasp like the concepts. And in turn, it just gives you a more rewarding experience. And I feel like that ties into comfort because this comfort factor is something that I think adds to why we procrastinate, which relates to stress and adds to its buildup, which makes it super, super hard to shake. So I didn't want to spend like too much time talking about like the negative implications of stress and how it affects us in a, in a bad way and how like it just weighs us down in terms of our motivation and are achieving assignments and reaching deadlines etc because i feel like a, the vast majority of listeners right now have a lot of experience with stress and how it feels to ex- like just how it feels experiencing stress i feel like the vast majority of listeners right now of my peers and my classmates my educators know what it's like to be stressed and it's not something fun it's not something enjoyable and so i don't want to have to sit and like talk about the effects of it because i'm pretty sure we're all familiar with it i've experienced almost every single result of stress every single implication of stress and that's not something that i want to review again when i'm pretty sure everybody's familiar with it so i want to focus on how we can get rid of it and ease the nervousness the anxiety all of the troubles and tribulations that come with stress so although suffering with it seems like it can be an endless battle, it's really not. And for most people it can be seasonal. That's a way like you could put it into words. Meaning it comes with different events at different times in waves. However, for students like me, our source of stress is almost year round, unfortunately. If it helps, the first step here is to make a countdown to every single break. It gives you something to look forward to. Like Seeing that timer end on like Instagram, I don't know the countdown tool. Seeing that timer end for summer break or for like spring break, spring break, or for something like even just like a three day weekend, that is the best feeling ever. That's the best feeling ever. It's so satisfying to come home from school or like I don't know to finish a day of online learning and see that you have a three day weekend ahead. It's the best feeling ever. So yeah, set a set a calendar for every single break. Trust me, it'll make you feel better. But in all serious though. Reducing stress starts by acknowledging what specifically is causing it and going from there. So it's not something I can solve if I'm not familiar with your stress source. As for the majority of students, as I mentioned before, that are affected by school as a stress source, however, I have many tips. So coming from a student who has dealt with serious stress my sophomore year and previously, I think I'm pretty credible. Yes, that's my ethos. Consider me an expert kind of. So for starters, make a schedule and like be aware of it. As far as school is concerned, luckily we already have a class schedule planned out. It's my lock screen because I always forget when school starts every single day. But go deeper than that. Organize a plan as to which homework you you do on certain days and set alarms for them if you know you'll forget which is something I'm pretty sure a lot of us will struggle with because it's one thing to say I'm going to do my AP chem homework on Thursdays and then my calc homework on like Fridays it's one thing to put that in my head before I go to sleep when I have that burst of just feeling productive but I know that as, soon as I wake up at like what 8 a.m. I'm gonna forget so it's really important to set alarms if you know that you're a forgetful person I think it's good for everyone to set alarms so, for example, um, allocating like an hour and a half or so to each subject and just messing around with the timing depending on how much work you have or how rigorous the work is for that class. And this is honestly the most effective method for me, scheduling and setting alarms that correspond with what you're scheduling. There's nothing more encouraging to start work than, than um there's nothing more encouraging, honestly, for me than hearing that by the seaside alarm blaring over and over and over. It's so annoying and makes me want to do my work. The next one is my personal favorite, which is rewarding yourself. And I know that this is a huge like umbrella of advice, so by this, I'm not referring to like studying for three minutes and giving yourself an hour-long TikTok break. I mean finding a hobby which you enjoy doing and using that as an incentive in which you get to partake in after you finish what you need to do. It's typically better if this activity doesn't rely heavily on the phone, electronics, because as I discussed in my last episode, which is entitled The Future is Digital, you should definitely watch it if you haven't already, it can be a loophole sometimes, which just becomes time-consuming. For me, my hobby, which isn't heavily reliant on technology in my phone, is music. I enjoy playing piano a ton and recently picked up learning new pieces that are challenging to me after quitting private lessons like a few years ago. So I look forward to getting to play piano after finishing my AP seminar homework, after finishing my calc homework, or after writing an episode. Some responsibilities of mine, which definitely take a toll on my time management skills. And the last tip is a mixture of the two I previously mentioned. Incorporate your hobbies or enjoyments into a schedule, utilizing alarms, reminders, etc. Organization is key. Not to mention, picking up a new hobby could add some excitement to said schedule. For me, one of my other hobbies is biking, like cycling. I love it. It's therapeutic for me. I used to do it for hours during the summer, but obviously I don't have that time anymore, so I include it in my schedule right after school ends. School ends for me at 3.10pm, and I'll usually go out for a bike ride at like 330 and do like three miles and come back afterwards to do my homework and school stuff. That inclusion of biking in my schedule just makes me feel organized, like it motivates me to follow a schedule. So compared to when I used to go straight onto the couch after school to do nothing productive, this activity isn't a harmful loophole. It ends when the distance is done and gets me back into my schedule immediately. So those are my tips to you for developing a schedule to help curb stress. I think doing something outside is preferable. It's great because... It's always hot, it's tiring, and it leaves you with just the right amount of energy to complete assignments. After doing something genuinely engaging or exhausting, you should want to be productive. So just to reflect, stress is definitely something, an issue that a lot, a ton actually, the vast majority of students and people in general have to deal with daily and it's something that can be beneficial as we've seen and observed in acute stress which can help us in like dangerous situations new and exciting situations so that can be great however chronic stress is something that a lot of us probably deal with i'm not a therapist so like i'm not diagnosing any of us but i'm really sure that a lot of us deal with stress on a larger scale meaning that it can manifest itself into weeks and months and months at a time and given that school is such a huge source of stress for a lot of us as learners, as students, teachers, if you're listening, I know I have one. But yeah, as what I'm getting to is that a lot of us deal with school as a source of our stress. And given that it's year-round, it can plague us a ton. And it has so many negative implications on us. It can affect how much we're eating, if we're you know, if we're getting the nutrients we need every single day, how much time we spend outside, which is more nutrients that we can be depleted of if we're stressed, how much we're sleeping, if we're sleeping too much, too little. Headaches, it can manifest itself into so many different areas. And as I said before, but as I want to reiterate because it's probably one of the most important points of this episode and one of the most important factors of stress. Chronic stress and large amounts of stress aren't detrimental because stress is bad or like stress is negative. They're detrimental because they build themselves so quickly and in such large amounts, so silently. It's like a silent it's like a silent thing. We don't know that they're building up so we just keep partaking in these activities that are contributing to our stress for example procrastination is a huge way that stress manifests itself I, I used to procrastinate tons, and I wouldn't know that I was stressed until I reached a breaking point when I would literally just, I don't know, it can, and that breaking point could look different for everyone. You could just start crying. You could end up not completing the assignments you need to. You can end up hiding inside your room, just working on assignments for hours and hours and closing yourself off for long periods of time. And this is why stress, chronic stress, and just stress in general is so detrimental to our mental health because our mental health is something that needs to be taken seriously. It's not It's not a joke. It's not something that can just be brushed aside with a little bit of self-care. It's something that, re- that requires consistent attention. And if we don't even know that we're struggling with stress, if we don't even know that we're contributing to this detrimental th- concept by just partaking in procrastination and All of these things that contribute to our stress, if we're not aware that our stress is building, how are we going to one, acknowledge it and two, fix it? So it's important to be aware of stress. It's important to be aware of the signs of the fatigue, of the under eating, of the the headaches. It's important to know what are our breaking points, what's triggering my stress, what is the source of my stress. And unfortunately for a lot of students like me included, that can be school, which is a huge factor of stress for a lot of us but i did discuss a lot of helpful techniques mentalities mind switches mentality switches in turn and behaviors that can really help us to actively become less stressful in the long run and although again i'm no psychologist therapist neurologist but i am somebody that has been very stressed in the future and i'm somebody that's helped turn that around into a more positive thing i've helped minimize that stress and with the tips i've given and the scenarios I've spoken of, and the advice I've given in general, I hope that you guys can learn to reduce and minimize your stress as well with positive behaviors and actions. With that being said, we all know that stress is something that plagues the vast majority of students, educators, and people in general today. So on that note, I hope you learned something new today, and that you were able to take something beneficial away from the topic of stress in particular. Be sure to tune in next Thursday for a new episode and let me know how you thought this one was on Instagram at a little purse podcast. I'll see you next week and thank you so much for listening.